You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. I'd be listening to the mainstream media and just be left frustrated on how they covered these stories. They would completely ignore facts just to promote their own agenda. I said, man, I could do a better job than these fools. I should start my own show. So I did. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to a brand new episode of Freedom Strips. I'm your host, Keaton Tucker. And we have another Let's Chat episode here. I brought Jason uh, Robinson back on because I really enjoyed our last podcast, just kind of talking about random events uh, throughout the week and... um, I was like, man, I really enjoyed these laid back episodes where I don't have to do a lot of research. I don't have to do a lot of different talking points and keep up with the news and all of that. I just enjoy these kind of week off episodes. So thank you for coming back on, buddy. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. So one of the the things I did want to focus on on this episode is, is it was interesting. You were texting back and forth with me and somehow... I don't exactly remember how the conversation got brought up, but we were talking about Space Force and NASA, and I believe it was with the new moon mission that they're planning. Yeah, so um, as a um, a childhood wannabe astronaut, um, I let those dreams go a long time ago, but <laughs> um, I, uh, I still like to, to keep up with uh, some of the things that NASA's doing, and admittedly had not checked in in probably a few years. Well, they haven't. Yeah, I mean, they've been kind of crippled with their funding and yeah, and everything yeah, else like certainly. that. So, um, but uh, a uh, a video came across my feed, and it was not brand new. Uh, it was actually released, I think, six months ago. Uh, that was just plainly titled "We Are NASA." I was like, okay, let me. I got to watch this. This is pretty recent, and I started to watch it, and it was basically a NASA hype video. And then about a week and a half later, which was the day that I had messaged you, uh, they released another new video called We Are Going. And it basically detailed that uh, with some changes to uh, budgetary things going on and just, you know, the ability to kind of finally publicly make some statements about their plans that we are going back to the moon. Yeah. Fairly soon, in, in uh, 2024, 2024. Is, is the plan. And so that's – with our conversation there, uh, I thought it would be um, a great point to talk about just kind of like the general idea of space, space ex- exploration. And we can kind of dive into like what the private sector is doing with, mm-hmm. um, with Elon Musk, obviously, and SpaceX, and then what the public sector is now starting to do with NASA's new moon mission. Yeah. Um, and then everything in between, obviously space is a very, uh, big topic and it can hold a lot of different things. So I think it would just be, uh, to fun to talk about space for about an hour. Um, but the first things first, I mean, uh, what do you, do you think that this new moon mission that NASA is going in in 2024, um, do you think they will hit that deadline? I feel like it is slightly aggressive. I mean, they got um, four four years essentially. Yeah, it's it's basically four and a half years, um, maybe five years, depending on how you look at what they technically will call the end of the year. I'm sure. Um, the The cool thing about that, though, is that they. I mean, obviously, NASA hasn't been dormant. They, you know, they have still been in operation. They've still been working and uh, and doing other things. 
uh, with their time and resources. So they have very slowly still been ramping up to what they would do next. And so they've kind of been working on the ideas and um, making plans to do some of these things that they are now putting in place. Um, so they've, they've kind of been ramping up to this for a number of years. Um, but then, you know, you look at, it's not just NASA anymore mm-hmm. with the, you know, what's kind of been coined as the space industry now. Um, you know, essentially the private sector has taken it, um, or the public sector has taken, um, you know, space exploration into its own hands. And, you know, we've got companies like SpaceX and, um, you know, any number of other smaller companies that are, you know, helping or doing similar ventures that they are in essence, maybe not partnering with NASA, but they're absolutely contributing. And it's a lot more of a collaborative effort this time. Well, I think they're also the the great thing about Elon Musk and, and SpaceX is they've also kind of renewed the excitement of going back to space. Yeah, suddenly uh, space is interesting. Again. Yeah, well, I mean, at work, I, I remember when they were testing the the Falcon Heavy. Yeah, and they were doing the Falcon Heavy launch, and at work, everyone was streaming the Falcon Heavy yeah. launch and wanting to see that was a cool day. <laughs> SpaceX launch the the Falcon Heavy and then have the boosters land. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and, and to see it on the news when you got home that night is oh, the news cares about space now. Yeah, exactly. It's been. Forty years, fifty years. So that's the thing; they've kind of renewed the excitement of going back to space. And and Elon Musk has publicly publicly said that he wants to go to Mars. Yeah. Like that's his end goal is yeah. to get people on Mars. And he's got a um, that's a pretty lofty goal to have. But sure. um, I mean, to look at Mars, you can't look at Mars without having to look at the Moon. Yeah. And I think that's what um which when we were kind of talking earlier before the the podcast episode you kind of mentioned that NASA said we're going to the moon and we're going to stay. Yeah. And what that could possibly mean, like how long are they going to stay? What what exactly does that mean? Well, I mean it it's my understanding that the moon is essentially like an airport. Like you you stop there, you refuel, you get all your supplies yeah. and you jump from there. Right. Um, so, I mean, it's a great resource to have in our efforts to explore distant planets mm-hmm. like Mars. Yeah, I think the 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 cool thing with space exploration is you can kind of look at it as steps. And, of course, that, you know, that begs to, to use the analogy of uh, one small step for man, which I'm not intending to do. But, um, <laughs> the you know, I, I like that you can use that analogy of, okay, so our first step was getting to space. So we, we got to orbit and then from orbit, we had regular space exploration kind of, you know, figuring out how that worked with, you know, more and more people on the cruise. And then finally we made it to the moon and we made it to the moon. And then some of the excitement died off, but it was still very interesting uh, for another 20, almost 30 years. Cause into the, into the late eighties, I would say um, space, travel was still very much a, a big deal. And you would see it in the news regularly. You were, you were always hearing things about NASA. It wasn't just a kid's cool dream to be an astronaut when they yeah. grew up. Adults were infatuated with space travel. And, you know, so you look at, okay, so there was orbit, then the moon, then, you know, regular space walks and things like that with experimentation and setting up the satellite crazy network that we have now we have so many satellites out there um and then now 
we currently have the International Space Station. So ISS was that next step. So what's that step after that? Well, the next yeah. step is to go back to the moon, but not just to go back and do what we did before. But not to, to just go, get some rocks. Exactly. Yeah. To go and set down roots and actually explore the planet. And they've they've NASA's actually detailed a number of things that they want to do uh, while they are there, kind of setting up those initial short-term missions to then make the long-term, quote, stay um, you know, more feasible. And they're going to be able to do things like mine uh the southern pole uh of the moon which is where they're looking to to set up their initial base um because there's one it's it's unexplored territory by man mm. um because we've largely just stayed in that one area as far as any where exploration landed, yeah. or even just where we've pointed our eyes um but in 2009 we confirmed at least you know virtually uh that there is water ice on the moon and tons of it, literal tons. And so, you know, that opens up possibilities because you can mine that. You can use it for water, number one, if yeah. that's necessary. Although water is a much more easily accessible resource as far as resupply goes. Right. Um, but the other things you could do is you could convert it into oxygen for breathing mm -hmm. or hydrogen for rocket fuel. And that just begs to be the exactly what you said the airport for lack of a better term right and which is why they're they're looking at having uh what they're calling gateway which is essentially another smaller space station that's going to be um movable between the orbits of the earth and the moon to be able to move the new lunar lander from wherever it's going to connect to gateway to be able to land anywhere on the moon, not just in one place, but to move that gateway wherever it needs to go so they can really explore the planet and do all this stuff that they want to do. But then possibly down the road, because we are looking forward to Mars, yeah. you know, move the launch, if you will, from orbit or even slightly outside of moon orbit, lunar orbit, to launch to Mars from there after they have been fully resupplied and all those things from the lunar base that just it it's that is the next step it's after the, the next step we're taking it's just yeah. it's really cool to see these things start to come together it really is the most essential step i mean in as far as ex space exploration to look farther than the moon you have to first take the moon yeah. You know, and, and, uh, it's very interesting to, I'm going to be very excited to see this now. I'm kind of against obviously like government overspending and, and bloating the already over bloated government, but I can't help but let's look at NASA and just like, look at it like a kid, you know, it just makes me excited to see, yeah. um, people renewing their excitement for space exploration. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it, it makes me happy that SpaceX is in the game and, and Elon Musk. And, and now I guess Jeff Bezos is in the game as well. Yeah. Um, and that's one thing that you want to really boost productivity in a certain area is competition. Yes, absolutely. Right? And so when competition comes into play, things get better, things yep. get cheaper, things, they start to, uh, you get better technology out of it. Yeah. And it's the best kind of competition because it's not purely, at least on its initial face, it's not purely capitalistic, which hundred percent for capitalism. So yeah. that's not the issue, but it's not a purely capitalistic invention, uh, a purely capitalistic venture because it's competition 
for the greater good to make you know the the furthering of science and exploration possible and then of course yes they get bragging their, rights. their name on it <laughs> they get their bragging rights but yeah. then ultimately the products and services and all those things i mean you know it's the 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 silly cliche at this point but velcro yeah that came out of the space program you know i i wonder if velcro had been invented before the zipper if anybody would have zippers on their jacket <laughs> that's, that's a good question i don't know <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean that it all just makes me very excited to see. Um, and one thing I did want to research is to, because it is a, such a lofty goal for, um, for NASA to have 2024 as their date Mm -hmm. to return to the moon. Um, so with that, I was kind of interested to see what kind of cash and (laughs) influx they were getting to make this lofty goal. And apparently, apparently it's a, it's a fairly good one. <laughs> uh, Trump uh, right here. This is from space.com. It says Trump proposes an extra 1.6 billion for NASA's 2024 <laughs> return to the moon, but higher cash and in- cash infusions will be needed in the future. For sure. Um, it says NASA's push to put top to put humans on, uh, on the moon in 2024 may get a financial boost next year. A new budget budget an, uh, announcement gives NASA an additional 1.6 billion in fiscal year 2020, on top of the 21 billion already allocated to the space agency. Donald Trump announced this on May 13th. He said, "Under my administration, we are restoring NASA to greatness, and we are going back to the moon, then Mars. I am updating my budget to include an additional 1.6 billion so that we can return to space in a big way." Said that on Twitter, of course. Um, The amendment is a proposal for now. However, NASA won't get the money until Congress, which has the power of the purse, officially signs off on it. The extra $1.6 billion is designated to help NASA put astronauts down near the lunar south pole in 2024, an ambitious goal that Vice President Mike Pence laid out in March. This pioneering mission will lead to a long-term sustainable human presence on the moon, NASA officials have said. Um, so all very exciting. I mean, I, again, I, I'm weary to be excited about government adding more money, spending sure. more money. Sure. Um, but in all the ways they waste money, this is – Yeah. I don't see that as – waste i don't see this as wasteful really well, and i also think that i mean you know as astounding as the 1.6 billion yeah <laughs> can seem to you or i or any probably anybody listening to this podcast that's a unfathomable unfathomable yeah. amount of money but when you're looking at nasa and yeah. we're talking about space exploration i mean i i don't have any hard figures but i mean just thinking of what it costs. I mean, rocket fuel in and of itself, you know, it's, right. it doesn't, you know, it, that stuff don't grow on trees to put it simply, you know, so <laughs> no. it, anything that NASA does takes years of iteration and R and D yeah. and that doesn't come cheaply. Neither right. do the brilliant minds that come up with it. And so, you know, all of these costs coming together, 1.6, I mean, like that article alluded to, you know, additional boosts are likely to be needed after the 1.6. But I think there again, that 
the beauty lies in the fact that this is going to be a collaborative effort this time. Yeah. And well, I would say that it would be obviously way more than that if technology hasn't already accelerated because of the private sector starting to explore this as well. Right. So, I mean, it's not like they're starting from scratch again. Yeah. From the last time they went to the moon, this is, they're starting to use technology. I mean, they can, I don't know what kind of collaboration efforts they have with private companies, but I mean, you have the likes of Elon Musk and his reusable rockets and Mm -hmm. and you're getting far better technology. You're you're getting a very good, um, aerodynamics, uh, uh, kind of aerodynamic, what would you call it? Like capsule that they put on the top of these rockets now that, that increased the, I forget. I listened to SpaceX whenever they did the Falcon heavy launch and they were talking about the capsule they had at the top to, to boost the, uh, or reduce the drag and everything Mm -hmm. that they were doing launching. It was all very impressive. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, uh, it's a lot of money obviously, but, um, like you said, it, it's going to probably take more, but this, could be much more if the private sector wasn't already exploring these technologies and improving it every day. Yeah. Well, and to your point as well, you know, that we're, we're not starting from essentially from scratch like we did in the sixties, you know, I mean, when JFK had his, uh, we're going to the moon or we chose to go to the moon speech, uh, that was in 1962 and that was in September. So essentially the end of 1962. And he said, we're going to the moon. And we're going by the end of this decade. And unbelievably, that rang true. It was in the middle, it was in July of 1969 that we set foot on the moon. So that was, you know, less than a decade. Because I'm not trying to do that, even that kind of simple (laughs) math right now, which is very sad. But we'll move on from that. But, uh, you know, to say five years is aggressive, I still stand by that. But we're not coming from computers taking up rooms or parts of rooms anymore. Right. Like we did in the sixties. Um, you know, granted the computers that we send to space, I've actually seen some, uh, some documentaries where astronauts and NASA folks have talked about this, that the the computers that we're sending into space, and this was a, a handful of years ago, so it may have advanced since then, but, uh, with as recently as a, a handful of years ago, the computers that we're sending into space, we're basically the equivalent of, let's say, a Windows 95 machine, yeah. if that. It right. was usually the the um, the example that they were giving was like Windows 3.1. And so, you know, extremely basic, almost completely down to DOS level computers, because it's not that the space program is so um, technology poor that that's all they could do, but that's because that is the most reliable computing technology and that's what you have to have in space because if you lose power you have to have i mean if if you've i mean even if you've just seen the film apollo 13 much less you know lived through you know that time or you know looked into it that um you know the the amperage and the voltage that you're working with in emergency situations is next to nothing. Right. And so you need things that pull so little power, but that are extremely reliable. So it's not like we're sending them up with, you know, the newest iMac or windows 10 machine, <laughs> you know, it's, they may have some it's, laptops it's and things like that up there, impressive, but yeah. the stuff that's actually doing the heavy lifting is all, you know, um, very extensive, but very old and reliable to put it in a simple way. Um, but yeah, that's, it's going to be 
it's going to be very cool to see, you know, in five years, what we're able to achieve because of the collaboration and the fact that we've already come so far that we're, you know, we're in space already. That's the big thing is we're not just getting to the cusp of our atmosphere anymore. Right. Yeah. We're which already was the up case there. Then you know, we're up. There are Americans and, you know, citizens of other countries living in outer space for extended periods of time on the ISS, you know, at any given moment. So this is, like I said, it's just the next step. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that is a, that is another interesting thing is how they're going to address, um, because I know when, when those people who live in the ISS for a long period of time, I mean, muscular deterioration is Mm -hmm. a pretty big issue. They have to work out constantly up there to, to make sure they don't wither away while they're in space. Um, so, I mean, that, that's going to be something that's going to be interesting to see how they, come across for a solution for that on a trip to something crazy like Mars. Yeah. Um, eventually they're going to have individuals step foot on the planet. Yeah. Um, and which is very possibly going to happen in our lifetime. I'm not going to go on record as saying, I think it I will. Hope so, but I think it is entirely possible that in the next 30 to 40 years, yeah, we could at least be there. Right. For sure. I believe um, it's still going to take a lot of work. It's not to downplay the amount of effort, but right. Yeah. And there is already a line of people oh, volunteering yes, to yeah. go on a one way trip. Yeah. <laughs> that That's a one way yeah. suicide mission. Essentially. Yeah. And people are lining up to volunteer yep. for that. Yeah. I, I, uh, I mean, to be fair, you'll hear that name. Whoever is the first person to step foot on Mars. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the uh, I I I can't remember where I saw this, but there was a uh, it might have been on a Discovery Channel documentary or something that was um, early on. It was this was a few years ago when they were uh, NASA was kind of first publicly speaking on its plans to to look to go to Mars, and it was very heavily implied uh, by one of the uh, the NASA scientists that these astronauts on the uh, the trip to Mars would, for for those of them that were not in, if cryostasis is a thing by then, or some form of stasis, um, much less if they're actually, you know, conscious for the entire trip. You want a little bit more? Yeah, please. Okay. Um, that the, the implication was very strong that a number of these astronauts would have to be very high a lot of the time. Because yeah. the the trip is so physically and mentally harrowing because it's something that no one has ever done. You're, I mean, you're literally rocketing away from the only home you've ever known. Right. And there's no possible chance of recourse. Right. Uh, just, you know, it's really interesting. I mean, not that I think that that's going to be the big deal about travel to Mars is people getting high because good Lord knows. I mean, I think if I was traveling to Mars... <laughs> On Give that long of a journey in the pass the time, yeah, in the blackness of space, exactly. Yeah. I think you're going to need something to occupy your mind, and why not get you some giggles in? But <laughs> yeah, it's. I think the what we're going to see in the next handful of years, and then the next probably five to ten after that, once we are back at the moon, is going to be very interesting because that is going to be what sets the tone for the possibilities of what can come next. 
You know, we're we're basically laying the groundwork. It's we're not starting fresh, we're not starting over with space travel, but in essence, we're starting over for the next era. Yeah. You know, we're we're now looking at deep space travel, not just our orbit. We're actually looking at the solar system. <laughs> yeah. And that's a wild thing to, to yeah. think about. Cause I mean, I know not too long ago, several months ago, we actually got some new, um, very high res photos of Jupiter yeah. and of Venus yeah. uh, and, and planets that we had only had blurry photos of before. Yeah. Um, and to see those, those planets in such high quality and yeah, it's incredible yeah. to see. And to think about, you know, even if we are 40, way, 40 years away from potentially having a human life go towards Mars, right. it's it's incredible to think about. Um, and really to, to think about how um, our first exploration of the moon was heavily driven by the Cold War. Yeah. Um, military uh, threats of military conflict and mm-hmm. everyone being scared to death of nuclear weapons, obviously. Yeah. And those who control space could potentially have those right. weapons in space and there's nothing you can do about it. Um, so that was a, a large driver of uh, the current space race. But yeah. oddly enough, we, we see a new branch of the military specifically designed <laughs> for space with the space force now. Yeah. Um, I thought it was, it was pretty funny. I, I was researching space force a little bit and I came across a video for those who are familiar with the, the game halo. Um, someone put the halo theme on top of the space force announcement by uh, vice president, <laughs> Mike Pence. And, uh, just for you, I decided to play this in full just because it's, it's incredible. It's great. When it comes to defending our nation and protecting our way of life, the only thing we can't afford is inaction. The American people deserve our very best, and they will have it. As the President will discuss in further detail in the days ahead, the United States Space Force will strengthen our security, it will ensure our prosperity, and it will also carry American ideals into the boundless expanse of space. While other nations increasingly possess the capability to operate in space, not all of them share our commitment to freedom, private property, and the rule of law. So as we continue to carry American leadership in space, so also will we carry America's commitment to freedom into this new frontier. Because if space was anything, it was not free already. (laughs) (laughs) The boundless expanse of outer space. The only place that America hasn't invaded for the sake of freedom (laughs) is space itself. I did. I did appreciate oil. We would already be there. (laughs) No, you don't know that it doesn't. (laughs) The the photos, the photos we received back of that black hole. You don't know what's in there. That is. Yes. (laughs) That is purely theoretical. What's in there. um, That was actually pretty incredible because people kind of took for granted. Well, for me, I didn't really think about black holes, not even being uh, having the possibility of not being real. Right. But just because they've been talked about so much and, and Einstein theorized sure. the idea of black sure, holes sure. And, and, and time, there has to be some sort of strong magnet yeah. pulling everything. Well, and they're so prevalent in science fiction. Why couldn't they be real? Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You see them in movies and everything else. And, and um, to, to see the 
the image of the black hole. I've got a BBC article here. For those who haven't seen it, I highly recommend you look at the picture. I mean, it's it's kind of weird to look at. It's just kind of like a blurry photo of mm-hmm. a s- black silhouette surrounded by what looks to be light itself, um, or almost like a uh, if you look at a eclipse, like a lunar eclipse. Mm-hmm. That's what it looks to um, what it looks like. But so this BBC article outlines it pretty incredibly to to show you what kind of massive black hole this is and how far away it actually is. It says astronomers have taken the first ever image of a black hole, which is located in a distant galaxy. It measures 40 billion kilometers across three million times the size of earth and has been described by scientists as a monster. The black hole is 500 million trillion kilometers away and was photographed by a network of eight telescopes around the world. Okay, that number... <laughs> what was it? A million trillion? 500 million trillion yeah. kilometers away. Well, and also the extremely scientific uh, description of a monster. A monster. I like that. The, the people who <laughs> came up with the telescopes that could look at something 500 million trillion kilometers away... Yeah. Gave it the title of just a monster. Yeah, which, I mean, that's it's funny on its face, but that actually, if you look at that, that's it this is thing has to be extremely impressive because you're right. The, the minds that would put that together. And I love that in this story, the lady who I believe she was in college when she yeah. came up with the. Uh, the I think it was the is algorithm. The, like the software yeah, algorithm. Yeah. You, you, I'll. Your listeners will have to forgive me for not remembering all the details because it has been a couple months or so yeah, since the story happened. It has. But, um, but the the then young lady who was in college who came up with this was able to see this through to its quote end point of actually being able to take and receive back the imagery and hopefully I mean she continues with this career. I mean she's obviously extremely talented and she's you know had the the go get it attitude and the wherewithal to, to push through, but one for it to, you know, for it to be any person to continue through from literally start to finish. Uh, but then also it's pretty cool that it was a woman yeah. because the, That's great. you know, the, the fields of science and information technology, they are not exclusively men by any stretch, but the, the people that get the credit, are typically guys. Yeah. And, well, they kind of dominate the field. They do. Um, and, and I mean, really it's just, you don't see a lot of women with interest in the STEM fields. Um, but it is incredible to, they are getting more and more interest yeah. uh, by women, but it, it was an incredible story to, to yeah. listen and to hear about that. Um, that, that girl that came up with the algorithm to, ca- to capture the first real proof yeah. that these things exist. Yep. Absolutely incredible. Um, the professor, um, he's a professor in the Netherlands um, who proposed this experiment, told BBC News that the black hole was found in a galaxy called M87. He said, what we see here is lo- is larger than the size of our entire solar system. Wow. He said, it has a mass of 6.5 billion times that of the sun. And it is one of the heaviest black holes that we think exists. Wow. It is an enormous, absolute monster. The heavyweight champion of black holes in the universe. (laughs) The image shows an intensely bright ring of fire 
as the professor describes it, surrounding a perfectly circular dark hole. The bright halo is caused by superheated gas falling into the hole. The light is brighter than all the billions of other stars in the galaxy combined, which is why it can be seen from such a distance from Earth. The edge of the dark circle at the center is the point at which the gas enters the black hole, which is an object that it has such a large gravitational pull, not even light itself can escape. I've been loving space and space exploration and just call it what it is, science fiction as well for my entire life. And at almost 37 years old to hear that explanation to just remember that what a black hole is, that it's so that it has so much gravitational pull that even light can't escape it. Yeah. To think that this is where we've come with our understanding of not just the world, but the universe and our use of science and technology is just insane. And people think that five years is an aggressive (laughs) time span to to get to, uh, to get to the moon. It's like, well, we figured this out. I think we can go back to the moon. (laughs) We spotted something 500 million trillion kilometers away. Right. (laughs) Yeah. What is that number? Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's, that's just something you can't wrap your head around. And he said it's, it's larger than our entire solar system. Yeah. Which again, I mean, I have no scope for how large our solar system is, you know, (laughs) you can look at graphics and get an idea, but that doesn't, you know, you can't, a human can't wrap their brain around what that is physically. What's also pretty interesting is, um, you know, you, you see Hollywood kind of dramatize and, and kind of fudge up a lot of different scientific elements and kind of sci-fi, you know, sure. the sci-fi movies that sure. kind of, um, they don't get a lot of things right. The portrayal of black holes was pretty spot on. Yeah. In cinema. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously the first thing that comes to mind was the movie with, um, Interstellar. Yeah. I mean, that was pretty spot on yeah. with the way they did the, the black hole. And we still don't fully, I'm not saying we fully understand exactly Oh no, what happens. That's terrifying to think of if we, if, and when we actually know what is happening in and around black holes, that is just terrifying to think of like how much knowledge there is to understand that. Cause that's, I mean, that is, it seems very dramatic to say it this way, but that is, that's understanding on a cosmic scale. And that's just that's just crazy to think that we could get to that point. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm sure we will. I, you know, I I was I was kind of pondering this before the episode. It's like, will we? I don't know. Like to get to that level of knowledge, I mean, that's that's an unbelievable amount. I mean, mm-hmm. we we would have to first. Find one, which we have, well, yeah. but it's far too too far away. Yeah, We'd have to find a closer one. I don't know that one. that's possible with the exception of faster than light travel. <laughs> right. But, you know, yeah, even like then, the it takes so long. Yeah. It's it's a um, it's something that's going to be a conundrum for the human race for yeah a very long time. Unless I a think. black hole just happens to open up in our solar system. <laughs> and then we're basically as well, screwed as I understand that's it. That's what so. I was thinking about. I was like, is the human race going to last long enough to even figure out? That's true. Something like this, you yeah. know, maybe we need to, that's a fair point. we need to figure out how to uh, top planets 
first yeah. <laughs> to, to ensure that one asteroid hit on our right. <laughs> on our planet that we have now isn't just going right. to wipe us all out. Yeah. You know, some of us need to carry the torch. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, and it's pretty scary. I mean, scientists have said that you know, asteroid impacts are fairly common for the Earth. Fairly common, air quotes, sure. being Burn thousands, thousands of years. Hit, yeah, are tiny. That are, um, you know, extinct level right. asteroid impacts. But it's just like the scientists. We've had a pretty lucky break, is what they've said yeah. for us so far. It's like we've been extremely lucky to not have an impact of that yeah. level um, since the dinosaurs. You know, so. Step it up, you know. Let's get to Mars. <laughs> <laughs> we need to. We need to make sure that you know. I don't even know if a uh, an asteroid will take us out. You know, maybe like a, a volcano, super yeah. volcano could take us out, man. Yeah, or Korea. <laughs> no, they can't do anything. They can't do anything. Well, South Korea has a uh, right to be nervous. But yeah, I'd say so. Proximity to madness is always a is always a cause for concern. Yeah, South Korea and, and Japan have a strong right to be nervous about yeah. that. Um, but Space Force, to get back on topic, Space Force has a estimated cost of two billion dollars, and it will include fifteen thousand personnel in the first five years. Um, so the Trump administration plans to spend two billion in new funding over a five year period to create its Space Force, which will roughly contain 15,000 um, space-related personnel. Hmm. Um, officials unveiled those details at the Pentagon's legislative proposal for the new military service on March the 1st. Defense leaders sent the formal proposal to Congress February 27th after President Donald Trump ordered its creation in June. Um, so while many of the details have yet to be determined, will the service have a boot camp? Unclear. It's on its own service academy. No. Will they have their own uniforms? Possible. Or recruitment centers? Probably. A space force will will share resources such as an acquisition chief, general counsel, and chaplains with the border department of the Air Force. With the broader Department of the Air Force, sorry. I can't read. Um, but that is something that has been kind of... Space Force has been a a kind of contention of debate um, between... It's culturally been a joke. Yes, it's been memified, yeah, for sure. Just because of the name, Space Force. I mean, it sounds like Which, a to be cartoon. fair, I mean, what else do you name it? I think I force like is the a name. Bit, force is a bit of a funny word... On the surface of it, but I mean, what else do you call it? You know, like it, if it, I'm not going to say I defy you to come up with a better name because I don't think it's necessarily the best name, but yeah, you know, there, yeah, I mean, there, we already have Air Force. Well, they're a, you know? they're a branch. The, the Air Force is kind of, they're splitting the Air Force up. Sure. That's what it's kind of taking out it's, it's splitting the air force up into right. kind of it's been contested that it doesn't really need to be split up yeah it's just a way for you to create another department to get additional funding right. to funnel into the air force yeah it's it's been debated that way mm-hmm. um but the name space force i like it yeah i mean we I, already call our 
any of the branches of the military, they, they are colloquially referred to as forces anyway, because I mean, as a child of two, you know, Navy chiefs, you know, Naval forces is a commonly heard term. So are army forces, air force, obviously being the name of it, but you know, Marine forces, it's, there's, you know, force is a definitely militaristic term anyway, just the, the word itself force, but in reference to the branch, you know, and the usage of it, you know, that I don't think it's a bad name. It's it's <laughs> it, it is funny, but what else do you call it? <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's like I said, it's been memeified, but I, I mean, it's drawn a lot of comparisons to um, Starship Troopers. Yes. So yeah. you see a lot of the like gifts going around of Space oh, yeah. Force with the uh, <laughs> go kill the bugs, you know, do <laughs> do your part. Yes. Type uh, yep. type bits from the the movie there, which yeah. I thought was fantastic. I mean, it's a great comparison. Sure. Fight sure. the bugs. Yep. God help us if there's bugs. <sighs> Man, what are they going to do if they go to the moon and they find space bugs? Space bugs. Every sci-fi movie says that is where it all goes downhill. Yeah. Well, you know, you find something. They want to try and communicate with it. It doesn't want to communicate back. No. It wants to communicate <laughs> death and dismemberment. Yeah. Well, that's, a, I mean, which that's probably us. You know, the movies kind of yeah. do that, but it's just like if we actually had someone approach us, it's yeah. just like the first thing we'd do is Assume blow it out of the sky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're the ones that are probably going to aggress against something if we find it. For certain. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, uh, Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> I don't know. Space bugs. We might not find space bugs. Well, and not. you know, you look at some of the things that they're, you know, they're, they're talking about some of the things that they're going to test on the moon. And one of them is the spacesuits. you know, with having prolonged, you know, that kind of goes back to the why, uh, why stay mm-hmm. thing on the moon. And, you know, the new design just, looks really cool. Well, have you seen the pictures of the des- new design of the spacesuits? I, ha- I don't know if I've seen the most recent ones. They look pretty slick. I'll they're like very. They're much slimmer than the. Well, sure. <laughs> the sixties yeah. by necessity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. I mean, we can't get to interstellar and you know have our janky, bulky yeah, spacesuits from space the eighties. Yeah. Yes. Um. But uh, you know, one of those things that they talk about is you know, hey, if you know, not if, but you know, the, the plan for one of the things we want to do is lots and lots and lots of testing and not just of the moon and moon dust and rocks and whatever for scientific advances, um, for space travel and for things here on earth, but you know, for the purpose of moving things forward with space travel and exploration too. Cause you know, we look at, okay, well, if we're at the moon for long term then we can test things like the spacesuits, so the space bugs don't get into our suits. But you know, they they <laughs> or we litter- don't get an oxygen leak, or you right, know. <laughs> exactly. And that's that's the debris. That's, space debris is going to be a huge. And one. that's a big thing that I was reading was they, you know, uh, one of the the things was brought up of moon dust was a much bigger problem, not a huge problem, but a much bigger problem than anticipated because it would get into the cracks and crevices and seals. And it would just kind of wreak havoc as any particulate will do. And when you're in a zero atmosphere environment in microgravity, completely away from any 
pressurized environment with oxygen. You can't just swipe that stuff away. No. It doesn't just go away. Exactly. And so one of the things that they're talking about among the myriad of other things that they will, of course, test is suit technology and not just the materials, although material is definitely part of it. Um, I thought this was really cool and just very telling. Like it's it's really fun to live in the future, basically. Yeah. That they were saying that they might. Uh, one of the ideas that they want to test is have mobile electrical pulse modules that are basically a part of the suit, or maybe a little thing that attaches to the you know the arm piece or wherever it would go, and sporadically, um, you know, at regular intervals send out a low-yield electrical pulse, not an EMP, but just a very low-yield electrical pulse to basically push any particulates out. And huh. they can collab- collaborate. They can uh, calibrate the electrical pulse. I-, I don't know the science behind it, but that's one of the things that they have said that is an idea Yeah, that is very possible based on current uh, current science in our atmosphere. And the assumption is it would be even more achievable in an extra atmospheric environment because then you don't have gravity or any uh, any friction with air or anything like that around it. So it could be a very cool, you know, solution that among the hundreds of thousands of other ideas just right. for suits alone. Yeah. You know, so like that's, you know, that that was kind of a cool way to give a very specific answer to the question why go to the moon to stay yeah you know and i think that's going to be really cool because then as with a lot of other areas in our history of space exploration a lot of those things eventually have some kind of trickle down back to earth you know i mean i joked about velcro earlier but scientifically that's actually a really interesting example yeah example and there have been many others. And, you know, one of the other things they're talking about is 3D printing. You yeah. Know, because you have to have, um, you know, the the idea of reusability and recycling of materials is paramount. Because in space, there's actually not a lot of space in the vehicles that you're in. Right. Because we have to make them so small because we have such a premium on materials and weight of getting things up on the rocket booster to space right. that things have to be pretty small, at least as they stand right now. And so one of the 3d printers that they're testing on ISS is a, uh, a, oh, what was it called? A refabricator. And they basically kind of walk through and the short version I'll kind of give you here is that they on earth 3d printers work on a number of different principles. There's a lot of different ways to do 3d printing, but the most used is thermal, uh, melting a plasticine material of different makes uh, into a liquid form that they can then use basically like printer ink, and then it just prints layer by layer and creates a three-dimensional object. Well, in space, no one can hear you scream. No. Um, (laughs) In space, the idea of heating something up using thermal is already a bad idea, and it would be... You got a heavily oxygenated environment in yeah. there, so well, and also it would be un um, incons- it would be inconsistent because of the vacuum and the high pressure and all those sorts mm. of things using temperature uh, other than just kind of radiant heating, just to make sure that the space capsule isn't freezing for the astronauts. Right, um, having something that heats something up to that degree not advisable, yeah. and then also making anything a liquid. Well, that's, 
again, inconsistent because unless it's a syringe type of format, there's going to be bubbles. There's going to yeah, be, you know, it's gonna float away. Exa- well, and even if it instantly cooled and hardened, the liquid coming through like the tube of the machinery to then be printed, there would be inconsistencies because it, you know, it's just a very hard thing to make consistent. Yeah, I don't use it makes consistent sense. a lot, but that's the whole point. Yeah. Um, and so this refabricator uh, works on a completely different um, kind of property. Um, and so the, it works with a different printing method, which they weren't entirely clear on, but I'm sure there might be some, you know, um, patent infringements and things like sure. that that they're trying to avoid. Cause they're, you know, this is, this is being tested. Um, but, uh, one of the, uh, or that, that main printer, um, it's about the size of a dorm room refrigerator. So it's pretty small. Wow. So yeah. that was pretty impressive. I figured, okay, it's probably going to be like the size of a real home refrigerator. No, that's not bad. Exactly. So it's nice and small. Um, now, it's probably not printing large objects. It's it's printing what they're kind of talking about are things like the size of a customized wrench or um, you know similarly sized items that if they needed to in a moment, they could print something um, high tensile strength, but still actually plastic. And it's like, like a hardened polymer plastic. Um but uh, the the recyclers here on Earth, um, so the recycling type 3D printers, they grind down plastic pellets, and that's how they uh, kind of do the recycling process of uh, using these materials. But when you uh, crush down those pellets, which is how it, how the recycling process works, that creates material shear, which basically kills the strength of the material. And so this type of 3D printer that, again, they're not wholly divulging all the details on, they developed a way that they don't have to grind the materials. And not just that plastic material can be used, but they can also use other kinds of plastics like foam packing and plastic bags that space uh, shipments and resupplies are sent up to ISS. Yeah. Basically, everything is packed in either in foam packing bed. or a plastic bag nice. of some sort. And they can actually, and have done, they've been able to put that material into the refabricator and they're able to use it there you go. just the same. So, you know, those kinds of things like, yeah, you're talking about a recycling 3D printer, but that's actually brilliant. Right. Because on the long haul to Mars, you know, your wrench breaks or whatever, yeah. you know, and, you know, okay, well, this thing broke. Just put it in the refabricator. It's going to break it down however it does it and remake another one with virtually or no material loss. And you've got a brand new thing. Yeah. Like that's, that's incredible. That's the future. And yeah. then the, the earth application of that is okay. So 10 years after that's a thing, you go to your grocery store or even your house for crying out loud, if it ever becomes that common, but you go to the grocery store or the hardware store or whatever, chuck your week's worth of plastic bottles in the machine and you print out a new case for your phone or whatever. Right. You know, yeah. like that's just whatever the, you the want. real world implications of things that are being done in space that that always happens. Yeah. The so, trickle down. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, that's incredible. I, um, I never would have thought about, of course, I know that 3D printers are the future, mm-hmm. and I think it will eventually. It is going to be as common as something like a microwave was. You know, yeah. a microwave at, when it was first created is just like, oh my gosh, this is going to be in every household. This is like the peak of technology, right? You know? Right. <laughs> and of course, now you can find a microwave. Now for... we use it to make popcorn. <laughs> yeah. Cool. To, to heat up popcorn or to <laughs> heat up your leftover macaroni and cheese, right. you know. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's it's something that you don't really take for granted anymore. It's just yeah. a, just a microwave. But yep. I mean, three D printers are going to be that way for sure. Yeah. They're just going to get bigger and more sophisticated. Yep. No, so that's incredible. Um, well, I think this was a successful episode. <laughs> we we chatted. I I've really enjoyed our chat about space and space force and and all the different technologies that are going into play. So, um, 2024, the moon landing. I'm ready. I'm ready too. I'm ready. I'm ready to see it. Yeah. Um, and I'm ready to actually see footage of it. Yeah. Yeah. Here, here we can finally bid adieu to the conspiracy theorists of film and yeah. running through the radiation. Which of, belt I mean, and... they will still, they will still say either the initial one was fake, but now we're doing it or that even this is fake. But well, the, the contention that I've heard is, well, obviously you have those people that think the whole thing is fake. Yeah. What I think may have happened. I think there's good evidence for this to be the case. We went to the moon for sure. We were there. We brought things back. Sure. It happened. I think some of the video footage was fubbed. Okay. I I think some of it, I mean, just looks bad. What <laughs> I love looks is bad. I recently saw a video <laughs> of um, moon landing footage slightly sped up. I think it was sped up like one third. Like they're on cables. And uh, it was hilarious. Yeah. Because it's basically, you're looking at infant's Tod- or you're lit- you're looking at toddlers toddling, <laughs> yeah. and when they kind of they're bouncing back and forth, and of course you know the audio format. I'm trying to do this thing; it's hilarious. But right. you know, you, you're thinking of that funny side to side penguin bounce thing that they do. Yeah, speed that up to about a third extra speed, <laughs> and then when they trip and fall, it's the funniest thing ever. Right. I laughed out loud at my desk at work when I saw this. It was very very funny. No, but I'm excited to actually see some high quality footage of the moon yeah. like the surface of the moon high yeah. quality footage i can't wait yep. if they actually make the 2024 deadline i'll be very impressed and very happy yeah. with it if if we go in this decade or not this decade but the next decade even if we get there by 2030 i i definitely think we'll be there by then yeah um but man that's it's I feel like I'm in the matrix. It's exciting times. <laughs> <laughs> it is exciting. And to, and to think that they'll, you know, by the time they get there, the first thing they're going to start doing is building. Yeah. You know, and building a, and like to say that in my lifetime, we could possibly have a moon base like indoor Lunar base alpha, <laughs> lunar base alpha, man, that's exciting. Well, and then the next thing is that, uh, what you call it? Um, Oh gosh, this is embarrassing. The I was gonna reference the name of the movie, but uh, get your ass to Mars. Uh... I can't help you. Oh it's not, no! It's not... <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, oh, uh, Total Recall. My, total Goodness recall. gracious! I don't know why. All not... I could think of was get your ass to Mars. So <laughs> as soon as we start yes. the the program for the Mars excursion, those memes will start. Yes. So yeah, for sure. And then possibly the uh, the doom memes will come back into oh, play. Oh yes, <laughs> with the Hellgate and, yeah. and on Mars. Yep. 
Well, and if you played Doom 2016, Hell Energy, best yes. slash worst name for anything ever. Yes. <laughs> the game was fantastic. Was I really good. had a fun time playing that. But this was uh, this was an excellent episode, Jason. Thank you for joining me again. It's yeah, always my a pleasure, blast man. to uh, to chat with these, um, especially with space. This is an excellent topic. I love talking about space. Yeah. Yeah, thank you guys uh, for joining us. We'll see you on the next episode of Freedom Strips. See you, everybody. Space, space, I'm in space. Where am I? Guess, 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 guess. I'm in space. There's a star. There's another one. Star, 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 star. Getting bored of space. Bam, 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 bam. Take that space. Are we in space? We are. Oh, oh, oh. This is space. I'm in space. We made it. We made it. We made it. We made it. Space. Earth. Wanna go to 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 Earth. Wanna go home. 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 Earth. 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 Don't like space. Don't like space. It's too big. Too big. Wanna go home. Wanna go to Earth. Space! Space! Yeah! <laughs> <laughs>